When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello! I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, the show where we help you through the midlife, the menopause, motherhood, and everything in between. Today we have novelist and musician Louise Werner and she's going to be talking to us about finding your sexy again. She is and she's also going to talk a little bit about parenting teenagers as they go into the wild, wild, crazy partying days. Yeah, that's the bit we all dread, isn't it? But we're, we're both there with that one at the moment, aren't we? But I think before we get into that, I want to talk about something that's happened this week that just struck me as a learning, a midlife learning. Mm. And I think often when we reach this stage, we, there's lots of little tiny details that would make our life good to share, easier if we'd known them in advance. Yeah. So can I just talk about Sunday nights? You definitely can. So if you're maybe in your early 40s listening to this and your children are sort of 10, 11 or under, you won't know what's coming on a Sunday. <laughs> night with teenagers it's it's the hell zone isn't it so mm. around six o'clock everyone that i know most people we have a giant massive family row mm. and it's about oh your, is your homework done are all this is all your uniform ready uh what's happening on monday morning who needs to be where have you got the pee socks that you need and this all sort of builds up and i think mums maybe feel strangely responsible for it yeah, <laughs> and you, yeah. you have this giant <laughs> argument on a Sunday yeah, so Sundays become really it? important <laughs> it's a twilight zone yeah I know what you mean and I, I get I, I think it is sometimes I think it is me that's causing it because I think it's when they're little you get everything ready for them but when you then need them to start getting themselves ready and they just aren't doing it so you become the nag again and you start nagging and it's like you're not happy that it's Sunday evening either because your weekend's yeah. over and you've got to go to work in the morning and then we're uh, working mums we've got all our stuff to get ready and I think it's all of you in the house all at the same time and when they're little you're just you're doing their little bath and bed and you know you're going to get like a couple of hours on your own later on to watch Paul Dark or whatever yeah Yeah. (laughs) you and Paul Dark I love Paul Dark yeah (laughs) or you're just going to be able to go to bed early it's all going to be fine but when they're bigger Mm. they don't go to bed and they're still getting their stuff together and with the kids when they were little we we had a routine we still have it now we have our dinner our tea late on Sunday at seven-ish and we all get together everyone has to come it's just the family it's pretty regular even so get to see everyone and I thought why why did I make that such a thing and because I felt so sad on Sundays and I realized that when I was little because I think when you're in midlife you only then begin to look back and you sort of see all these little signs dotted through your life mm. of why you were like you mm. were was when I was little my dad worked away from home we lived in Cornwall he worked in London for about three and a half years and I remember Sunday nights just being this awful countdown to when dad was going oh and I feel like I never, when I was little I wasn't sad about it yeah but in the same way in retrospect. <laughs> yeah midlife brings retrospect sadness <laughs> yes. and you start because I think oh. you just think about your 
life and you think I've only got I'm over halfway I've only got this left yeah. I want to do really great things I want to make the most of all my time why do I feel so sad about this that and everything else yeah. and you start to I mean I don't know about you Trish I'm mm. maybe a bit madder than you <laughs> you start to question yeah. all the little bits all these little flags you've dropped about mm. times in your life so we do family dinner which mm. I love it's like my favourite thing in yeah. the family I mean the teenagers sit there really grumpy because they've got to put their phones down they're going to talk to me <laughs> we used to do favourite part of the day least favourite part of oh. the day which they won't do now do you know I did because I, I found myself in the, the Sunday twilight zone uh, meltdown situation and I thought I've just got to do something about this because I'm the one who's kicking off and causing all these things because they're not doing anything so I started going to the gym at about half five on a Sunday just to get out just to get out and I thought right I'm going to go go and do a spin class and I assumed that it was all mums like me <laughs> they're sort of middle-aged parents and I thought oh this is clearly a thing and actually what it does it takes you out of the situation you come back feeling so buzzy and on a high that you sort of don't care and it just kind of everything sort of dissipates and it all becomes all right because you've got a much more positive sort of mindset because you've got all those endorphins running around you and yeah that's kind of what I do but what do you cook roast is a well as you know Trish I am a cordon bleu chef (laughs) (laughs) master chef the professionals I'm shockingly bad at cooking so uh, we do roast chicken yeah um, and whatever vegetarian thing they want uh, comes in a tin from Tesco's and we do some roast potatoes and carrots oh, and stuff but you you're, you're good at it you do well, a little bit of I do I do but my children have got quite sort of still got like a nursery nursery food taste so it's all chicken pie but roast chicken Ooh, as like well that. I can't go with yeah chicken pie mean chicken pie Now, on to our main topic. Today, joining us is singer and novelist Louise Werner. Louise formed her band Sleeper in 1993. She had eight top 40 hits, including Sale of the Century. Remember that, Trish? I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. I really did. And and I think, um, you know, I just remember you back in the 90s during that whole kind of Britpop explosion. And I always thought it was really interesting that because you were the female lead singer of a band, I'm sure you were probably sort of portrayed in the media and probably within the music industry mm. in a way that men didn't have to be and I was kind of interested to, to know mm. about how did that affect how you felt about how you looked how you portrayed your sexuality oh, it's really there's so much to say about it. <laughs> I think it's sort of complicated I came I came out of a sort of a a quite a sort of an ugly teen period and you know I had terrible acne in my teens I wore really sort of thick glasses and I sort of blossomed in my 20s and I was in a band and of course when you know you're sort of given the rights to the castle when you're in a band you are suddenly you become a sex symbol whatever happens. hot you yeah. become hot you Louise. become hot so hot. I, had this, I had this sort of flourishing and what I wanted to do more than anything I think was to enjoy it and sort of revel in it a little bit and I wanted to revel in it in the way that men are allowed to without it being the absolute central focus on me and also I didn't want it to diminish me and what I found was that the reverse was true and of course it became the only thing people talked about and that was all-encompassing and also it reduced me in some way in the fact that you know people wouldn't ask me about the songs I'd written or the lyrics I'd written so it wasn't you couldn't be you couldn't be hot 
and skillful. Men could, though. Men could. Of course, men always have been. Men could. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, I would literally get asked, I would go to interviews and they would say, well, how does it, how do you feel about sort of men masturbating over your pictures of you in in the press? And that would would be like an opener. That would be on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's still there, of course. Yeah. (laughs) What I think is interesting, because I'm I'm looking at you here, Louise, Mm. you're wearing a really amazing sort of zebra-y fluffy jumper. You've got a leopard print coat. You've got a leather skirt, fishnet tights and some cool sort of like Dr. Martiny type boots. Yeah. You would have worn that. Back I would in the, have. It's exactly the same. Yeah. So I think for me as well, it's that we, we haven't changed just because we're 30 years older or 25 years older. We're still the sort of same people mm. and we still have the same style aesthetic. I mean, I think it's really interesting. I was thinking about when I was coming to you about my mum. So when she sort of turned 50 and my mum, she had worn like a sort of a, a Marks and Spencer sort of platex corset to suck everything in in her whole entire life she never left the house without this corset I think she ever sort of left the bedroom without this corset (laughs) it's underwear as punishment underwear Mm. as punishment and she she got to 50 and she sort of literally it was like some sort of ritual she took them all and sort of threw them all in the bin and it was almost like that's me done with making an effort you know it was kind of it was sort of an ending of something I think it's very interesting but hasn't it didn't society tell her overtones of yeah. we don't need you anymore because you right. can't have children anymore yeah. and you're not we can't employ you anymore Absolutely. and you're not really marriage material anymore yeah. it's a terribly sad mm. generation so sort of the idea yes. well even now though i think society tells us that we're sort of a bit invisible after after 40 aren't we and yeah. certainly after 50 and we shouldn't even be discussing it we shouldn't be discussing <laughs> ourselves as sexual beings no. you'll, have, you'll have seen the sketch with amy schumer and julia mm-hmm. Dreyfus mm-hmm. and it's my last fuckable year it's called and they sort of send Julia off and on, a, on a boat down a river don't they so you're not allowed to be sort of considered yes. sexy anymore that's it you're done with and it's kind of and we laugh about it but you know you don't see it you just don't see it around you and I think it's difficult when you don't see it and when your sort of body is also changing and mm. you know all that stuff's happening it's hard to sort of reclaim it for yourself mm. I think you have to sort of and I, th- I do think it's it. reclaiming because I think in your 20s you're sort of developing your sense of style and how you want to look and I think for a lot of people being sexy in that um, decade is very much how you should look whereas I think mm. when you get to your kind of this age in your 50s it's, we know that being sexy and desirable is far more about confidence feeling yeah. self-worth and just being being yourself absolutely I mean, it feels like it belongs to me mm. now so mm. it's not rather you talk about can you be sexy or not it's kind of it's you know we're all sexual beings and that doesn't go away and it's about your confidence and it's about and I think it's probably perhaps more true for women as well it's like it's what's in your head as well mm-hmm. isn't it it's very sort of it's not about oh, what do I look like in a, a thong and a peephole bra, bra <laughs> anymore it's not that is it? it's yeah. just yeah. it's something much richer than mm. that and I think we don't see enough of that around. We don't just don't mm. see enough of that sort of that sort of confidence and well, cleverness. All, and all, all the images, that. as you mentioned, um, are of grey-haired women gardening. Yes, I mean, that's mm. uh, the, the beauty industry, though. And I know this from my point of view and from statistics mm. is is undergoing an enormous shift at the moment because I think they've realised it's not anti-aging. We don't want to look younger. We just want to sort out the slightly more dry skin, <laughs> thinning yeah. hair. We just want someone to address our problems and, and, and that min- menopause and midlife does exist Absolutely. for women. We don't want to moan about it. I can't no. mind moaning about things. I <laughs> no. just want someone to help me sort these things, but not at the same time to patronise me and tell me that I want to look 20 years younger because I don't want to look 20 no, you years can't, younger. It's mm. just, it's a, you, you can't chase that youth on. You just can't. It's crazy isn't mm. it what do you think when you see other female musicians who 
um, are still in the industry. Madonna, for example, is still mm. in the industry. I mean, yeah. she's amazing and she's still wearing mm. her corsets and she still looks fantastic. Yeah. And she gets... Uh, so much criticism she for does. dressing the way she does and being the way she is. She's, yeah. She must be sixty-one now, sixty now. Yeah. I think Madonna, which is I just know has wouldn't is not levelled at Iggy Pop, for of example. It's not, not levelled at other men who've been. I mean, I think she's sort of glorious. I mean, it's not you know that's not my taste, but that's not the point. The point is that I think sort of women, especially from my generation. You know, I think we grew up a bit rebellious, so we're not going to just sit mm. there and accept what is okay for us now at this age. The fact that she's out there wearing whatever the hell she likes mm. is just in and of itself brilliant. And she's forever sort of challenged the sexual aesthetic, what it was okay for women to admit to, to like. And she, she's like, you can't objectify me because I'm doing that to myself. I'm already... She owned it. I owned mm. I'm, I, I'm, My sexuality, my sexualness belongs to me. And that was very powerful as a, as a kid growing up. And mm. it still feels... It still feels so I now. think it's great as well. You talk about growing up. I mean, we are the generation who we grew up with the actresses from Sex and the City and yeah. Friends and all... And all those amazing women, they're all in their 50s now, aren't they? And they are, you know, they're still rocking. They're still who they are. They, you just look at them, you think, that is Courtney Cox, that is Jennifer. That's yeah. how they are and who they are. Who else do you think is doing that well in midlife? Oh, God, I don't know. It feels like a hard question. I feel like there's not enough. And I, I think we just don't see enough women our age generally. Mm. So you need to see them out there being powerful and interesting and creative and artistic and all of the things, you know. But yeah, do you really. think the music industry has changed in the, in the 20 years you, you've been away? I don't in terms know. of its attitudes to women, I think it has. I mean, the way that they're written about is is different. So I was, you know, I was reading sort of some old copies of the Enemy and the Melody to Make the other day, and they talked about sort of they talked about sort of um, groupies, and they were referring to them as fourteen year old tarts <gasps> oh. in an article. I just, somebody sent it to me and to sort of just as, just as, as a sort of an old addition to look through. And I was just reading straight, and it's hard to remember what that was like. I mean, it's interesting that we dressed in a sort of slightly androgynous way at mm. that time. So we kind of we weren't in sort of slinky tight dresses mm. or any of that stuff because I think we thought we had to sort of dress a bit like boys to be taken seriously which is mm-hmm. ludicrous isn't it so I think there's this sense now that you can do <laughs> so what- annoying it's very annoying but there's a sense you can sort of do whatever you like and that's exactly as it should be however the hell you want to play it you play it given how old you are yeah what stage you are in your life personal question alert Plaxon <laughs> Plaxon the menopause yes did that ha- and the perimenopause, which I only found out about during the mid- in the mm. middle of the storm. <laughs> no yeah. idea that was coming. Yeah. How did that? How did you deal with that? Because um, you were writing then, I you was. would have been at home. So I think that's really interesting what you said. That I, you only found out about that during the middle of the storm. What I feel most looking back on because is that I I just was unprepared for it, so I didn't know enough about it, so I didn't know what the perimenopause was. Um, and I just felt ignorant of it. I thought, oh, you know, I might get a bit sort of a bit sort of fed up on my periods will stop and that'll be that, you know, but it's just, mm. it's so vast. I mean, so mm. many things that happen to you. One of the things that, um, in particular that happened to me was that I got a lot of pain. So I was in a lot of pain. I, was, I had this, this sort of terrible back and hip pain. I went to osteopaths, I went to physios, I had unnecessary uh, x-rays, all kinds of stuff. Um, and it, it ranged from someone saying to me, oh, you've probably got, I think you've got spine cancer, you need an MRI oh immediately. Oh. And someone else telling me that I was making it up. Oh, gosh. And not one of them at any point says, well, actually, you're 51, perhaps it might be mm, sort of hormonal rated. there's a whole thing around female pain that we yeah. need to discuss so another time. I, I went yeah. on, and I went on HRT and it mm. went completely within four months. And I'd been really, sort of taking yeah. really heavy mm. painkillers mm-hmm. for... You know, over mm-hmm. six months and just more than six months, like, like almost a year. So, mm-hmm. but our bodies do change, don't they? And that's why I think when you've come through that, it's a good time to 
sort of reappraise sensuality and what what makes you feel sexy and what makes you feel good because yeah. you you've, you've changed you have changed physically so you have a new shape a, yeah, yeah you, your body shape might change yeah. your you know your muscle you might be softer but that's quite <laughs> nice you know there's all sorts of things that can happen to your body and I think it's quite a nice thing to think about that as a, well how do I explore this in a, in a mm-hmm. sort of sensual way maybe nice. do you also think maybe controversially mm-hmm. m- men do stop looking at you a bit at this age um not d- like deliberately and i quite i quite i think flirting that's all part of yeah life sometimes and you don't notice it till it's not there in a way do yeah. you i've noticed that i don't know yeah i've noticed that. It. i think you, you sort of become used to it don't you it's funny how you become used to it. but i think in a way i felt it more invisible when my kids were tiny you know that sort of mm. yes of children definitely invisible then yes that moment so it kind yeah. of that's when it sort of kicked in and that i sort of i was i had my last one when I was 41 so I you know, kind of said with my 40s kicking in and that f- first time you go into a shop and someone calls you madam you know yes <laughs> well, stands yeah, up was, for you on the tube yeah, oh my god that. yeah yeah <laughs> and, and someone stood up for you on the yes. tube trench <laughs> oh, oh no it's like that's it that's it but did would, you just go for the jugular did you just tap oh, them I, just I can see down. that making you quite down, angry like, as a person <laughs> I just yeah. sat thank down. you very much yes. exactly why not why not Nigella Lawson's 60 mm. uh, next year. Yeah. She's still stylish and lovely and sexy as a woman and, and t- talks about being happy and comfortable. I think this stage of life, one of the points we make in Postcards from Midlife is, is a second act for many mm. women. So uh, the, women who divorce after years of maybe not the best, happiest marriage and women who start different careers, new careers or begin again. And then there's a lot of us who... I had my last baby at 43, who've still got quite young children around us in our our second bit of life. Does it feel like a second act for you? Yeah, very much, because I stepped away from this, from music so completely, just to come back to it now at this age. It feels... It was a bit of a gift, to be honest, Mm. to be able to go back on stage and sort of experience it differently. And as you say, I feel... I'm all about the sort of the joy of performing now. So what it feels like for me and how I feel on stage and how I feel with my band. I'm not sort of worrying about what people are thinking of me all the time. That sort of self-consciousness is almost entirely evaporated. How, so. how does your 14-year-old feel about you being up on stage? I mean, mine can't even bear me to sing <laughs> when I walk around the house or to do anything that anyone else might look at because I'm yeah. just so embarrassing. She's the perfect mixture of sort of... She's, on one hand, she thinks it's quite cool and on the other hand, she's just mortified. So she's absolutely it's probably mortified. the most embarrassing thing a parent can do, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? I'm going to be a rock singer. It's our, That'll it, teach it. It's our job. It's our job to embarrass them, but isn't it? Could we talk about the other bit of teenage life that mm. is coming your way? Yeah, I'm in the middle of it. Yeah. It's really tricky. Is the I guess it's the partying. I don't know if it's partying. I don't know what you call it with with teenagers, but they want to go out and be independent. And part of that is being exposed to alcohol, drugs, festivals, music, all the all the things we all went through yeah. um, as teenagers. Mine went to wireless last year. So the 15-year-old went accompanied and my 16-year-old went with her boyfriend in a big group. And I was I was worried about, not so much worried about the drugs and the alcohol, actually. I was more worried about the safety and just things being stolen mm. or her getting mm. lost or not being able to get home yeah. there was more kind of life skill around. stuff life actually. skill stuff yeah. which yeah. actually she should have at 16 mm. she should yeah. already have smarts that. of course we went we, we would have gone yeah. without phones or any way means yeah. of contacting anyone at least mm. I thought they've got that now and they mm. can sort of 
and they I don't know how you feel about your sort of your sort of teens and stuff, but they they seem to look out for each other in a way that's kind yes. of mm. obviously there's a huge amount of stuff goes on, but the, the ones that are good to each other when they're sort of close friends, it's quite easy for us to sort of be sort of quite luddite about the way they're living. Yeah. You know, and saying, Oh, it's not like it wasn't in our day. Well, maybe in some ways it can be better, you know. Well it is. I think I think the phones bring them together mm-hmm. and I think they perhaps know more about sex and relationships mm. and love than we did at our time because we talk, have talked to them about it's it because we've had to talk about they're the quite, phone. Yeah. yeah, but they're quite emotionally articulate, I find. You know, yes. I certainly wasn't when I was that age, so they know mm-hmm. lots more than I than I knew, and they're and they're sort of they're good at talking. And when I was growing up, my dad used to give me wine to drink, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of stuff like that. And he used to give me a glass of wine, and when I was quite little, so apparently you can buy alcohol and give it to a child over the age of four. What? <laughs> that seems reasonable. That is one of the actual <laughs> legal things. So yeah, I think so basically it's legal. No, I looked at it on, on on a website. So it's something to do with some children's act in like 1900, where in an extreme emergency, if like your child chops off its hand, you can give them some alcohol to. <laughs> The pain. I don't know what Trish has taken before she's come on here, but she's talking nonsense today. Look it up, look it up. They've got their hand off at Reading, they can have a drink, it's all fine. Exactly. So the law is that 16 plus, you can drink beer, wine or cider, but no spirits with a meal in a pub or a restaurant supervised by an adult. Oh yes, my my eldest looked that up to tell me that. She's very specific about that. Which I think, fair enough. And then it also says it is legal for adults to buy alcohol for children over the age of four. So there we go. <laughs> and that's why good. I don't cook in the house. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, no, no sharp instruments. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, oh. we allow, I think probably it was from the age of 40, birthdays or something, glass mm. of champagne. We thought that was, we do yeah. drink at home quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we are, I mean, we're quite happy. We've always been quite happy for her to go to, she's now she's 17, to take Mm. alcohol to pass you might take four beers in Mm -hmm. a thing they seemed to have been drinking from the age of about as far as I can tell from 14 onwards that seems um, about the average age when they go out and when they come back and there's been times when they've been quite drunk and probably learned from it but what, what I would say is they don't I don't think teenagers I say they like there's some special <laughs> alien group we've never we're observing this generation what are they Jen said it doesn't seem yeah. to be what they are going out to do um, yeah. is that because it doesn't feel as illicit as it did for us maybe or it doesn't feel like I think maybe it's because them, maybe. I yeah. think if you've got I was interviewing my interviewing my son about this or asking him about it and he was saying that well you just first of all you have to accept that your kids are going to be drinking from 15 so if you're one of those parents that is like you're not drinking he said that, that those are the kids that then go to the parties and get absolutely hammered yes. as quickly as they right, can right, whereas that makes the kids sense, that yeah. are kind of talking to the parents about it mm. maybe occasionally having a beer if they're 15 or 16 at home with their parents they're not as kind of desperate don't often. ban anything that's my yeah well, we wouldn't be friends without booze would we <laughs> No, we wouldn't would be, come frankly, up with this podcast from the yes, midlife yes, without this was <laughs> discovered on alcohol. Uh, yeah, quite, quite wine, frankly, wine situation. <laughs> yeah. I think Lorraine, you were probably a bit of a naughty teenager. Well, I grew up in a very small village. There's not much to do. I think. It, I think teenagers who grow up in the country maybe have a wilder time than teenagers who grow up in town. Um, I had FOMO as a teenager mm-hmm. before FOMO mm-hmm. was a thing. So if I went out, mm-hmm. I really didn't want to go home because I didn't want to miss but out on anyone you, else were you staying. Boozing? Were you boozing? I were was you? boozing, yeah. What were, yeah. What, what, what were you drinking? Boozing. Can you remember? Um, Diamond White. Oh, God. Do they still make 
take that? At the bus stop before oh, we gosh. were picked up by my yeah. friend's brother and taken into Plymouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the point of all this really is that we know what goes on. We know <laughs> what you know, goes just, on, which gives us the fear. Yeah. And I think just to pick up on a, a few extra points that we probably didn't get into there with Louise, I think one of the things that you, you need to do with your kids, which my kids have said have been really helpful, is like talking about the dangers of, of drinking yes. and just yeah. making them making them aware that they if they do get drunk, they're going to be putting themselves in a kind of vulnerable position, which, you know, is going to influence their judgment. So we were talking about the whole planning thing, weren't we, about the fact that if they should sort of plan around how are they going to get home, where are they going to meet their friends? Yeah, yeah. so it's in their mind. And also things like peer pressure. It's worth trying to discuss with them what they might say if they're being pressurised into drinking or, you know, if there's drugs at a party and they're feeling uncomfortable with about that. If they kind of almost rehearse how they might want to talk about that and deal with that, I think that's um, yes, and that's I think really good. Something that comes, I think it's come through mainly in London teenagers, but maybe other urban places is vaping, which is what teenagers are into a bit more now than smoking. So that's electronic cigarettes, but a lot of them they buy illegally or they buy from older friends, and they've got it's very untested. It's not not regulated in the way um, it should be the vaping industry. And I know that um, a lot of mums have been talking to me about that, but I think it's worth finding out about that. Mm. Um, looking on the NHS websites, there's also a website called the mix which is aimed at young people it's really helpful for parents because it's in the in more in a kind of adolescent voice and it and it, it talks and they actually counsel and work with families as well so it's worth looking at that so that you can see what kind of drugs they might mm. be taking and how you talk to them what yeah there's is. another one a really good one actually called talk to frank and that's yes. that gives you i think it's good to get your kids to, to look at it because it literally gives you all the really hard facts and information but in a, in, in a very accessible way about every single kind of drug from I don't know molly to ketamine and it'll tell you what it can be cut with if you mix it with alcohol what's likely to happen to you also I think you need to accept that they will get really really drunk mm -hmm. sometimes no no teenager won't do that I've tried not to be judgmental and I've tried not to be blaming and I've tried not to be horrible and horrified with mm. them if you keep the listening path open if they can ring you when they feel like they might be in danger my dad was a policeman so um, <laughs> it was tricky for me and sometimes he'd come do you remember that time when your parents would come pick you up and you'd pretend not to be drunk well I don't because I was a bit of a square but we'll come to that <laughs> start drinking till I, I was a lot older. I am not surprised about oh, I know, that. So I know. Well, you do like a drink now, though. Oh, eh? well, you know, absolutely. There's, there's no, there's no doubt about it. But I, I remember the first thing that I think the first thing I drank was Perno and Black. Do you remember oh, that? Well, oh there you are. my that, God, that would, that would make me sick. Well, I think that was probably time. why. Afterwards. And then, then I think I moved on to cider. That's always a reliable Lovely. one. And then Southern Comfort and Lemonade. Oh, really, really sugary there. Sugary. Trish. Basically sweetie drinks. Sweetie yes. drinks just to try and get over the shock of it. Well. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now, Trish, tell me, uh, we always get to these three things at the end of our postcards from midlife. What has changed your life this week? I can't wait to tell you mine. You tell me yours first. <laughs> Are you sure? Should we? Do that? Okay. So, I a friend of mine gave me uh, this lovely little book. It's called the Little Book of Ikigai. Have you heard of Ikigai? No. I, I hope I'm Is saying this that correctly. Is this one of your Zen yoga malarkey? It's a little bit Zen. It's actually um, a sort of Japanese concept um, that is all about your kind of value and purpose and mission in life and how you how you find it <laughs> but the book because japan i believe has um you know incredible longevity and they have i think it's one of the islands osaka that has like the happiest people in the world so um so this little book uh looks at the kind of philosophy of ikigai as along with interviewing some of these what does it, how does it people? change your life? How has it changed you? Well, it's changed me by making me think about um, all of those things. Um, <laughs> has it made you happier, Trish? <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel like you're struggling. Can I tell you what's changed my life this Go week? on then, go, go for on. it. Fermenting. Oh, God. What, are you making fermented no, things? No, no. Are you eating back fermented things? To alcohol. Oh, drinking. We, um, in order to feel healthier, have more energy, I got a book called The Gut Doctor, Dr. Megan Rossi. She's a very chirpy Australian, I feel she is. Uh, very good on social media. Um, and we are, we are writing a feature on it, so I thought I would test um, one of her diet plans, uh, keep me regular. Uh, and some, because I've always got things to talk to you about in that area, haven't I? In the regular area. In the regular area. And let me tell you, fermenting, it involves eating sauerkraut or seven hour cabbage fermenting yourself. Um, Is that delicious? It's not sounding delicious. Hmm. No. And, well, you have to eat 30 different plants and vegetables during your week and that keeps your gut healthy. It's about the micro. Well, the gut health is really, really in thing at the moment. There's a nerve called the vagus nerve, mm-hmm. which connects your <laughs> gut to your brain. Anyway, fermenting makes you... Eating fermented food, drinks, kefir, mm-hmm. drinking that makes your body healthier. I have found very windy. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. It's all no. churning up down there, isn't it? And touch of the bloat. Well, my uh, 15-year-old said last night when we were watching the telly, what, what are you doing there holding your tummy? I said, fermenting. I'm fermenting on the sofa. It's terrible. And when are you expecting to see the miraculous oh, I results? I don't know, Trish. I don't know. I'm a sucker for these ridiculous things. I actually think this is actually is really well done, this book. And oh, I good. think someone more sensible than me could probably oh. uh, benefit from it. So uh, the other thing that I'm trying... I'm li- 
trying this week is um, Lizzo. Have you been listening to Lizzo? Oh, I love her. Uh, more yeah. importantly, mm. look at her Instagram. She's mm. just... She brings me great, jolly joy every day. If you have any body issues, look at Lizzo's Instagram. If you have any men issues, mm-hmm. look at her Instagram. She's mm-hmm. really, really... In fact, I came to work with such a spring in my step that Alice at work, who's very, very young and fabulous and beautiful, <laughs> said to me, you look very jazzy today. Jazzy? <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-one. I don't know where oh, she gets these words word. from. But, old, lady, but Lizzo, old lady word. Lizzo, Lizzo made me look jazzy today. Good. And then for my nostalgia noodling uh, this week, uh, I've been watching some SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh. Um, only because Mabel, who's eight, had discovered it on Aww. telly, and I realised that we used to watch it with the older ones, so ten years before when they. And it was kind of one of the, the only thing I think that you can watch as an adult. You can't watch Teletubbies or any of that stuff. It just it just sends you mad at six a.m. in the morning. But we used to watch a lot of SpongeBob. Mm. So Mm. took me back to when the teenagers were little. Oh, that's nice. Well, uh, talking of cartoons, <laughs> don't know how on earth it came up. Uh, I think I was... Uh, well, actually, it was my, my son's growing his hair out, and I said, oh, you're joining the Hair Bear Bunch. Do you remember Help... Help... Help, it's the Hair Bear Bunch. Yes. Talking of cartoons. <laughs> anyway, I still remember the theme Do tune. You? It's on. about three... No, I'm not singing. Three bears that live in a zoo in somewhere like California. <laughs> From the 1970s. Oh, I miss our oh, conversations during the week. Icky, icky guru. And icky guy. <laughs> and I, t- I haven't told you what I've been trying. What have you Well, actually, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to try it. This is my thing now. I'm going to try it. You probably will as well. Um, renting clothes. It's a thing, brilliant. isn't it? It's and buy less, buy less, rent more. And um, the wonderful Jane Shepherdson, she she's of reinventing Topshop fame and whistles and all of that, she's now working with My Wardrobe HQ, which is um, a, a wardrobe lending site. Um, and there's another one called Her, spelled H U R R, but I expect pronounced Her, uh, which is more of a peer to peer lending site. Um, so, but yeah, so it's worth checking out. I'm going to give it a go. I've got a wedding coming up you i'm going to borrow something i'm going to rent something quite designery things very, it's yeah, very designery and it's quite things. cheap it's like 40 pounds a day or something it's like something that. like Depending that the... and yeah you just send it back and they dry clean it and i'm quite excited i about think that. it's brilliant for job interviews mm. brilliant for parties party season weddings yeah it makes such a difference because then you're wearing something different each yeah. time and then you don't have that terrible pressure of going into a shop and trying to find the thing yeah. and if you've got to party two nights in a row with different people you're just going to get double the bang for your buck two <laughs> nights in a row well I met somebody who'd done that she said, oh, I wore it last night at this other party and I was like she was very pleased with herself well that's it for today Lorraine um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Postcards from Midlife in the meantime if you'd like to send us a postcard or if you have a question or would like to contact us in any way about any of the topics we've been talking about or your own midlife stories you can find all of the ways to contact us in the description below and if this is your first time listening to our podcast please do subscribe can't wait to talk to you next week so until then bye, bye.